the Indiana Pacers have their head coach. And the NBA bubble was a big financial success. Plus, we're going to argue about Luol Dang here, or at least the Lakers are on today's show. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do it. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. Available wherever you get your podcast. No paywall. Just hit that subscribe button right there. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. John, while we're recording today's show, are you playing cards in the background and not going to pay attention to the interview? Yes. Yes. Pulling a John Wall here. <laughs> Pulling a John Wall. That, uh, that was that was spectacular. Care. Just uh, he's like, yeah, um, hold on one second. Throws down a card. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just talk junk to all my football friends and uh, hold on one second. The, the was best just... was him just asking to repeat the question that he just straight up did not listen to. And like, I'm not even knocking John Wall on this. I love digital online content like this, but let's not pretend like this stuff matters all that much. And there's <laughs> definitely been times where I get called, I do a lot of like radio hits in Louisiana and New Orleans. And sometimes I forget about them. Like I'll, they'll text me in the morning and then all of a sudden my phone <laughs> rings at like 722 for the hit at 725. And I've completely forgotten. And I'm like cooking dinner and I've got like my phone on my shoulder while I'm trying to like flip something over the grill. So, like, I get it. He probably just completely forgot and, like, had to take this thing and just didn't care. Right. I mean, they were, what, talking football. Like, what did John Wall care? Like, also that, right? Yeah. Like, John the Wall Cowboys were football. terrible. He's a Cowboys fan, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that. But he's probably sitting there playing spades with his friends. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, crap. Just like you said. Like, uh, okay, yeah, let me take this. Uh, but <laughs> I do not have enough respect for what's about to happen to Whatever stop playing it was. my game. It was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. it you know I what? It. I think that probably gets more eyes on that, whatever that ESPN show is. And I didn't know it existed until today. And, you no know, in a way that like a good interview with John Wall would have gone. No one would have known that he did that show if Ever. he wasn't playing <laughs> spades. I don't, even, I don't even know what that show was. Um, it's just funny. You're right. Like sometimes, and it's not even a train wreck. It's just no. It was actually, funny. What a great segment! Like that, I love something like that versus them taking it too seriously. Anyway, um, to put the you cards know, to honor down, John Wall, I'm just going to stop paying attention to you for the rest of the show. It's, that's probably what most people should do, just in my like everyday life with everything that I do. So I can't fault you on this. But the Indiana Pacers took their head coaching job seriously and made made a hire today. Hiring Nate Bjorkgren out of the Toronto Raptors, one of their assistants to be the team's next head coach. Um, it, so the thing that I, I'm actually jumping to about this was, I think this name kind of surprised a lot of people and a lot of people were finding out who he is for the first time ever today. Yeah. He, his Wikipedia page did not have a picture and I just pulled it up and now it does. So <laughs> there you go, Nate, you've made it. It's, you know, you've made it when you've got a complete Wikipedia page now. Uh, yeah, I think this is a sign, first of all, that the uh, the the Nick Nurse coaching tree is, is starting to be in demand. Um, now, Bjorkren goes way so far back with Nick Nurse that Nick Nurse was one of the, his assistant coaches in college. That's yep. how back 
that's how far back him and Nick Nurse go. Uh, they won a G League championship together in Iowa. Uh, he was he's been on his staff for a couple of years. I mean, he's he's known Nick Nurse for like 25 years. If you're if you're trying to get some of that Toronto Raptors shine, then get one of the closest guys to him who's learned from him as a player, as an assistant, who's grown with him. So I think Indiana's looking to get, you know, they're in this unique place here where they have some good young players and they're trying to build up some stuff. Uh, and they're not going to be, I don't think, one of the top four teams in the East. So they're looking to a guy who's learned how to maximize talent. Um, and I think that's one of the top reasons why you hire a guy like Bjorkman. Look, I, I kind of like this. This is a very good time to be looking for a head coach in the NBA, I think. And like, there, there's like few names that I could throw out there that would be like, oh, that's a bad hire and they shouldn't do it. This is a team that was looking at maybe Mike D'Antoni before, which like, sure, fine. But is that really the direction you want to go for a team that's probably going to be in transition and be in transition for a couple of years? When you look at Bjorkgren and his background and what everyone seems to say is going to make him successful is he's got all of that kind of varied experience with a variety of different teams, which means he should be able to adapt and coach these guys well, whatever group it's going to be. And that might change on a year to year basis. So if you're trying to be somewhat competitive and you're going to have a lot of roster turnover, you need someone that doesn't coach a certain way going through a coaching search here in new Orleans. Whenever a name gets brought up, people immediately ask me, you know, what's his coaching style? What does he coach? What's his offense? Like, I don't, I don't want a guy necessarily in a situation like that, that has that defined style. I want someone who's a little bit more adaptable and maybe a little bit forward thinking that comes with it like Nick nurse. And this guy probably is the closest thing to that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the anti D'Antoni, uh, right? Yeah. D'Antoni is like such a, uh, an offensive genius, but you know, that's, you either have the players that fit his system or you don't. And the Indiana Pacers don't at all. No. So uh, I, I think, like you said, the learning how to coach from Nick Nurse, who, you know, you, you've got a, a championship in his first year and he's coach of the year in the second year is, is really important. Another thing that, that's important is that he's, he's known to be a guy who is uh, a good talent developer. He was in a player development role when he was an assistant with the Phoenix Suns, where he worked with TJ Warren, who he now has. Yep as a player in Indiana, which is point. important. It's not like TJ Warren has a lot of cachet and you're like, Oh, TJ, you like this guy, but Hey, you know, he's one of your best young players. And he's a guy that if you, when you hire this guy, TJ Warren's texting his friends uh, on the team. He's like, yeah, this is good. I like this guy. Uh, an important first step. To, it's to just get getting initial buy-in, I think. And that's kind of what you're looking for as, as a head coach steps in. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that experience, uh, along with the Nick Nurse stuff, uh, I think, and, and he's got prior head coaching experience throughout the G League. So he's, he's a guy that has a lot of the things that you're looking for in this situation, familiarity with some of your players, especially one of your best players, uh, coming out of a system that's been wildly successful and some head coaching experience so he knows what it's like to manage players, especially in the G League where players come and go. If you're a you have a different roster every coach, single year, every every single week sometimes. Yeah, guys, that's a very good point too. You know, so for he's going like to have Indiana, that here. It's exactly like, what I'm saying. Yeah, he, Indiana's going to have this, guys coming in and out. It, it, look, the the big question right now, maybe the most gettable good player in the NBA is Victor Oladipo. 
he seems to have, there seems to be some smoke about him wanting out. And eventually, are they going to trade him? And that probably leads to like complete roster turnover at that point as Indiana is kind of acting a bit like a small market team. And if you're going to be cheap and be a small market team, you at least need someone who can kind of get the most out and overachieve a, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is his first job. So he's he's not going to be like, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to express his opinions because, you know, he's, he's a head coach. But, you know, he knows what he's getting into. They, they've got a little bit more leeway with him. Uh, he's going to relate to these players. Um, I, I think it's a good hire. I, I Honestly, I don't know a ton about Nate Bjorkgren because, you know, these assistants, you either, you know, if if he's not one of these career assistants, then, you know, he, he's a relatively young guy, a 45-year-old guy, getting his first shot in, in the NBA. Mostly, I just like these these young guys who have worked their asses off getting their their opportunities uh in i think this is a good situation for a first year head coach to learn a little bit uh on the job as the as the head guy and to impart some of the things that he's learned with a young team in transition so i i think by all accounts in all of the stuff that i've read and listened to throughout the day trying to you know learn more about nate bjorkman it seems the consensus is that he's uh, regarded as a good hire, a good basketball guy. So I think Indiana made a good decision. Yeah, I agree. I, again, as I, as I said before, like there's so many names out there that you can throw out that all seem like they would be great hires. It's a good time to be in the market for a head coach. And I think that's why you've seen so much turnover in the coaching ranks this off season. So there you go, Indiana Pacers with a new head coach. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the league finances. We're going to probably laugh a little bit at the Lakers trying to get rid of Lou Aldang's <laughs> contract, too. Uh, we'll probably, probably also laugh at uh, – Probably will. We will definitely laugh at Andre Drummond coming up. Um, so all of that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. But before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. This is really simple. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. John and I spend our own money on Bilt Bars and basically eat them daily. I don't know what else I need to tell you about these things other than that. But also, if you want to know more, they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Compare the nutrition facts to other protein bars on the market. These are probably going to beat them. They've got some that have 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, or 17 grams of protein, and just 130 calories. And these are also going to taste better than anything else out there. I was out running a couple errands the other day. Ran into a supermarket to buy a protein bar because that's what I wanted to have for lunch. They didn't have built bars. I bought something else. Honestly, it was terrible. It tasted kind of metallic. It was chalky. It was dry. Like nothing good about this. These things are soft. They're easy to chew. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. John, what is your favorite flavor? Peanut butter, man. I'm a sucker for peanut butter. I love them. And it's got like 19 grams of protein and just 180 calories. I take mine to the gym with me. So after I'm done lifting, I have my built bar, so I get all the protein to help, you know, with the muscle building. And the only 180 calories it means that I don't blow out all the stuff that I did cardio wise. So it's perfect for me. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I have one after I work out, basically as a meal replacement too, and it's awesome. And they just taste really good. I'm a big fan of the salted caramel and the lemon almond cheesecake. If you've ever bought Built Bars before using the Locked On promo code, they've reset it, so you get to double dip and get in there again, and it's even better this time. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 20% off at builtbar.com. 
Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. No paywall daily here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about the league. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. All right, John. So there's been a lot made about the NBA's bubble and should they have come back? Should they have not? All of that stuff. And we've talked a lot about it, the future of the league and stuff like that too. But you know what? When you look at the money, and sometimes it's as simple as that, there was a lot of money at stake that basically the league saved by putting this back on and going to the extent that they did. Yeah, they spent $180 million to operate the bubble for 100 days, and it ended up basically making them $1.5 billion, um, which not it's not all profit because that that offsets the losses that, that were expected. But $1.5 billion is a lot of money to recoup, which will help, I think, in the long run, allow the league to get back to its normal finances maybe a little bit sooner than it would have otherwise. There's a lot of talk before the bubble. Uh, they should just cancel it. A lot of people were saying, we don't know what, what, what this COVID thing, what's going to happen. They had zero positive cases, zero tests positive, and they recouped billion. I I would say that this worked perfectly. I can't think of a single, I mean, there are, it's not that it went, it was a perfect situation because there were negatives to it, but for the league to come out of this completely clean and offset $1.5 billion in losses, that's as perfect a scenario as they could have hoped for. Yeah, look, you, you, we don't need to get into this. You can argue like the, the moral and the ethical concept of them actually doing this and using tests and stuff like that. But for the league, which, which needs revenue to survive, look, for, for, it employs a lot of people. Yeah, it probably went as bad. This is probably the best case scenario for them, right? Like, I don't think this could have gone any better. Not one single positive case. You had very few incidents in the bubble regarding players in the first place as well. And you crowned a champion, you made your money back, and if you're a player, you're probably going to be thrilled about this too. As rough as it was to be in there for some of these teams, to be in there that long, knowing that the league is withholding part of your paycheck and might, and the ownership might try and fight to withhold more, getting more money back in this means you're getting paid more. And so everyone's probably happy about this. Yeah, and look, we're now going into the, the portion where the league and the union has to negotiate for next season. and. No one wants to go through the bubble again to start the season. They're not gonna. They're not gonna agree to that. No. But what what they do have here is in their back pocket a plan. Should they need to go to this again? That's a good point. They can go to the union and say, "Look, I know it's not perfect. Guys struggle through it before. Maybe you can modify and tweak a couple of things." But they can look at it and say, "One point five billion dollars." in revenue from that those three months we know we have that deal that we can if we can duplicate it if we're in a pinch that's there um and depending on how things go i mean ratings were down so maybe if ratings level off and go back to normal then or or somewhat close to normal then they can they can make some some more money back but they do have this in their back pocket if they need to get to it again no, so that's a really good point that I hadn't thought of. Like at the very least, this is what you can do if you absolutely need to do something. Ratings definitely were down, but 
and this is a larger discussion, which I just probably don't have the energy to get into. And I don't really know who would <laughs> because of what come, kind of comes with it, to be perfectly honest. Ratings are down everywhere. I think that's a really big thing. But engagement with the NBA is up and through the roof. I think you mentioned the number to me before we started recording. Yeah, yeah. So the, the NBA, and as far as ratings goes, and this is from the, uh, the, the Sports Business Daily Report, the, the NBA's postseason ratings dropped 37%, uh, including a record low viewership for the finals, which sounds bad. However, this is the climate that we're in. The Major League Baseball Division Series was down 40%. Stanley Cup, Cup playoffs down 38%. U.S. Open Tennis down 45%. Kentucky Derby 43%. Yeah, they're down US everywhere. Open Golf 42%. So everything's across the board through a lot of different demographics. So a lot of the things that we're hearing about with ratings-wise, some of it can be explained away that people might just not have been in a mood to watch sports, but it's also a bandwidth issue. Like, you know, people are always pointing out just to go on a small rant with this, that like, Hey, you know, there was no NFL game against the finals and the numbers were down. Well, you know what? Normally when I kind of people budget out their time for the week, if I'm going to watch three football games this week, maybe I don't have time to watch an NBA game. Even if that NBA game is on a night when there's no football, right? Bandwidth. You only have so much capacity for it. Right. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. Some people, maybe they just don't have the time. Maybe people have had to take a, a second job. There's so many yeah, different things you. that you get into. Yeah. But, but, but 6.9 billion video views across all NBA social channels, which is a monster number, a record for total video views. So their, their digital audience for nationally televised games was up. 34%. And this is really where the heart of this lies. And I've heard Adam Silver talk about this when he's, he's talked about he the ratings before. Anytime ratings come up, he, he points to this type of engagement. This exact type of thing. And you said the perfect thing before this when we were going over the show. <laughs> Go ahead. You say it because it's your line. Yeah. So, so here's, the, here's the thing. The, the engagement is up. And there is just, it's impossible to monetize or no one has figured out the magic bullet how to monetize this sort of content. And the person that does will probably be one of the richest people in the world. I'm like fairly certain of that. If you can figure out how to monetize a 45 second video of dunks or highlights from a game that people are watching over the whole game and part of the reason for the ratings decline, I think, you're going to make a lot of money. No one has figured it out yet. We were talking. It's not mid-roll ads. Look, you listen to this podcast. There's ads in the beginning. There's ads at strategic points in the show and ads at the end. Those middle ones really get people listening because they're kind of right in the middle of the content, I think. The beginning ones you can kind of tune out a little bit. So if you do pre-roll ads in some capacity on this 45-second video, just use that kind of form as an example, you tune it out. How do you monetize this stuff? Twitter, all of those retweets you get when people dunk on one another and make jokes, doesn't do crap for you. You don't make any money off that. Yeah, yeah. And so this is going to be the interesting part of how the NBA responds because the NBA doesn't necessarily care so much if, like, I'm sitting here, if I'm watching a game from home, which obviously at the end of the season, that's what most of us were, were doing, even, even beat reporters like me. And I have a way to record the game and, and send out a clip. So I cover the Celtics. Jalen Brown gets a steal and a dunk. You know, record, clip, tweet it out. Send it boom. out, yeah. Tweet, you know, lots of engagement for 20, me. 20,000 
uh, you know, a uh, hundred thousand people get impressions on a Twitter tracks this stuff. Right. That's great. Right. NBA doesn't make money off that. NBA doesn't make money off of that. Should they? They probably at some point yep. now Major League Baseball and NFL have cracked down on stuff like that. The NBA now they're in a little tougher financial situation. They've seen that as promoting the game and driving really good about letting people use that and stuff like that but they're they've been great free Dawkins doesn't exist really anymore right so there there's going to be a point here where I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA does crack down a little bit on that because part of how you monetize some of this stuff is you funnel everybody into the official stuff then you get your ads that can't skip the mid-roll ads you frame your video player with whatever ads uh, sponsors that you want. That's where you end up, I think, monetizing a lot of this stuff. So the league not only recoups money off of the bubble, they, but I think out of the bubble, they look at these numbers and say, the digital stuff is way up still, way even up. after all. That's why silver points on- to it. Right. The, the, so oh. the, the concern that I have when it comes to the ratings and stuff like that is not this season in a vacuum of it being down 35, whatever it was. Right. The, the ratings have been declining now for about 10 years or so St- steadily. I, there's no getting around it. Those are the facts. I think it's too due to the rising engagement like this. So ratings go down, this engagement goes up peaking this year that we've seen it. If you can't monetize it, that is a problem. <laughs> it is a problem. But I think. I think this bubble, aside from recouping money, which is nice, yeah, gives them this like stark contrast of ratings down 37%, but digital audience for nationally televised games up 34% compared to last year. Um, now, that's percentage points. It's not total numbers. But to have a, a record for total video views staring them in the face this, if I'm Adam Silver and in, in, in the NBA front office, I look at this and our financial situation. I say, this is the priority. And maybe yeah, 100% probably already said that that's yeah. the priority. But like figuring that number out is the absolute priority because through all of this other stuff, where all of the TV numbers were down so much, the digital stuff was not hurt. How do you take that and turn it into money where maybe if this happens again, that you don't suffer the TV losses, you find a way. And look, the players are involved in this because they want their full salaries. People yeah. don't really realize the, the NBA held out 25% of these, these guys' salaries in escrow that is probably not going back to these players. But every player essentially took a 25% pay cut once the league shut down. And they may end up taking a 25% pay cut next season to help make it. The, the numbers you see on contracts are fake. What you're actually getting paid, what these guys are actually going to get paid next year, might be 25 to 30% less than what the numbers show on these caps, cap sheets that you look at. The players are heavily invested in trying to figure this out too. Because if something like this happens again, they want to see if there's a fallback to maybe bump this up and not lose as much money. There you go. You want to be like Zuckerberg rich, try and figure out how to monetize this. And uh, <laughs> there you go. And if you happen to make this your career path, and if you do, dear listener of Locked On NBA, actually figure it out. Like, I don't I know. Like point, yeah, I was like, can we each get like 0.01% of whatever oh, the money you make is? Like, that's not even a lot. Just a little that's taste. Like not, 
it's like nothing, right? We inspired you. That's what we do here on Lockdown NBA. So we will inspire you again in in the coming up. I don't even know how to transition. Uh, We'll inspire you in the next (laughs) segment when we laugh about Andre Drummond. Um, defensive player of the year, vote getter, Andre Drummond and Lou Waldang, former Laker, more importantly, former Minnesota player for 22 games. We'll get into that and what the Lakers are trying to do with him here in just a moment. Before we do that though, today's show is brought to you by Roman. Look, it can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. And usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medication with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and getting started is even easier. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. Again, go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget, subscribe to LockedOn NBA No Paywall, Monday through Friday podcast, breaking down all the news you want. Joking around different things. We're going to make fun of some people in the third segment here because it's the off season. Why not? So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We start with a quick one, right? Like the Andre Drummond, Drummond news. <laughs> oh, sure. Let's start there. This article that you sent me about Andre Drummond made him opting into his player option of like 20 and a half million feel like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is the threat that you're going to have to pay Andre Drummond all of that money like Andre Drummond's good at what he does I just don't know that what he does matters as much anymore no it um, doesn't it, it just the, doesn't the rebounding's right? nice the points are nice like 17 and 7 sometimes but like at a certain point like uh, yeah he kills you how many <laughs> points are you losing out there on the court because of bad spacing right that's and that's look I, I I hate to say it because in a different world if this was 20 years ago, Andre Drummond would be making more money than anybody. He'd be one of the best like, players in the NBA. Right, right. So, you know, Andre Drummond right now, unfortunately, the game is passing him by. Now, luckily for Andre Drummond, he's made a significant and is, is going to be okay no matter what. He's going to opt into this 28, almost $29 million for this upcoming season. And if he gets traded, he gets, he's got an 8% trade kicker. So he he's gonna make so even more money, maybe. right? So um, the 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 league just doesn't demand that you have an Andre Drummond. On no, the not team at all. Anymore. And if you can't get Especially an Andre one that Drummond, doesn't play defense, it's one thing and, to and play that, defense and protect the rim. Right, right. <laughs> it, but hey, man, rebounding is got defense. a defensive no, no, player of the year vote, man. He he did he did. Uh, rebounding is in fact defense and defensive rebound yeah. clearing away a miss is getting is completing the stop i will completely admit that but that's not what you need from your center spot anymore the league has moved away from these kinds of guys so he can opt in he should opt in cleveland can try to explore options for him or they could just say you know what <clears throat> see ya. The, the fact that they were talking about an extension so the article was like they're talking about an extension and they are far apart 
Yeah, because yes. if he's not making like the mid-level or less, you're going to be really far apart with him. Yeah, uh, I think like, Kevin Arnovich. What are his salary expectations? <laughs> well, he probably won't, he doesn't know, he, <laughs> he probably wants but what he's making now. He, de- he doesn't want a big payout. Um, he Kevin Arnovitz has a great way of looking at today's uh, center situation. He calls it a mercenary position, and uh, as soon as I heard him say that, I was like, man, that is just the perfect way to look at this because you can pick up a passable center that yeah. will rebound for you. If you, if you want a big guy who doesn't space and rebounds um, and can get some putbacks and catch some lobs, you don't have to pay $25 million a year for him. That's mid-level guy. Who would you rather have right now? Andre Drummond at $26 million or Aaron Baines who made right. five, like $5.5 million last year? Neither play defense. They they score. I, look, I'd rather Baines. Like it's just, it's not an right. easy. Uh, this is an easy decision to make. Right, Baines, and you know, and Baines has at least added a three pointer to his resume. Yeah, I was gonna say you can actually space the court. Like it's no. <laughs> yeah, he can actually there. space for you. Like I I would the love Aaron Baines. The difference of twenty three and a half, uh, twenty twenty three and a half million dollar difference there. You're like yes, yeah. I know which one I would like to take. Right. I mean, I think I think it's Aaron Baines. Uh, you know, uh, ten times out of ten. Yeah. Uh, especially That's at that question. money. Now you level it off and you say, Hey, you can get Andre Drummond at $8 million or, you know, part of your mid-level exception, your non-taxpayer yeah, MLE. I'll listen. All right. Okay. Now we're talking. Let's see. Let's see what my, let's see what my team needs. You know, maybe you can get away with Andre Drummond for 25 minutes and, and another center with a change of pace type of guy that can go out there. If you, if you need to go small. Okay. We can talk about that because if I'm spending $25 million on my center spot, that $25 million better be spread out between three guys. And, and $25 million is way too much for your center spot anyway. Today's NBA is about versatile wing players and, and guys like Bam Adebayo at the five That yeah. b- before you get to uh, a guy like Drummond. So, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that they're far apart. Cleveland should be offering him, like, if, they're, if they want him for three years – that that contract better not be above like eighteen million dollars. No. Uh, so it's interesting that we, we bring this up because it kind of ties into the the next thing we want to talk about in this segment, which is the Lakers and Luol Deng. But you know, this is relevant to the Lakers to some degree too, because what's Dwight Howard going to want? A guy that I'm sure they want to try and bring back next season, who is on Andre Drummond, basically same kind of mold. <laughs> as a player useful guy in certain spurts but it's great when he's only making 2.3 million dollars but what if he wants a little bit more than that things get complicated and so the lakers are trying to clear about five million in cap space from their books for what i think next season and then the year after and the year that. after yeah luol dang who they bought out and reached an agreement with are trying to get him off their books through an uh reti- career ending injury waiver which is a stretch, <laughs> I think, here because the most important thing was on in the two years that he didn't re- that he was there and didn't really play for the Lakers. They spoke glowingly about him, and basically, it wasn't an injury that he wasn't playing. It was just the fact that they wanted to play Brandon Ingram over him at that same small forward spot. Because what's the point of playing Luol Deng, who's old at the time, when you have the number two overall pick and probably want to get him minutes? And then to make this even funnier to me is after they bought him out and he signed with the Minnesota Timberwolves, he played 22 games 22 for games. them. Yeah. And got injured there. Right. 
if you want to get that waiver to get it off your books, the injury has to occur with your team. Right. Uh, I I don't blame the Lakers for trying. trying. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, nice try, Rob Point. Like, you probably look at all of the money. You go through your sheet, and you're going down the, down the, the, the list. You're like, okay, do we pick up Quinn Cook's uh, non-guaranteed? Hmm, do, do, do we pick up this option? Oh, we've got $5 million on the books for Luol Deng. How, is there a way to get rid of that? And somebody pulls out of their ass. Yeah, well, I mean, we can ask for this. Anyway, yeah, sure, go ahead, ask for it. I mean, that's, that's got to be it. Like, there's no legitimate reason why the Lakers would sit there and say uh, that this is an actual 100% honest request. They're, it's a Hail Mary. It's yeah, right. Like it, if this it, gets granted, I think people are gonna lose it on. Oh Twitter, my god! Like, oh look, my god! For them, you should try. Like, there's no reason not to try unless they have like secret info on Luol Dang, which maybe they do. Maybe they've got some medicals that were never released, but that gets a little bit more complicated there too. And that's like what it would take. And off uh, everyone who knows stuff, no one knows what they're trying to kind of really claim <laughs> and pull here. Um, you've seen it happen somewhat recently for certain uh, people. Who was the other? Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. The center in Minnesota that they had retire um, and got off the books due to Pekovich. Pekovich, there you go. Um, who was a scary looking human? Uh, yeah. Mozgov was he looked uh, like a Bond the, villain. Yeah, he did. Uh, Mozgov for the Cavs did it. I think the Bulls and Omer Oshik did it too. Yeah, but again, like they had legitimate career-ending injuries and we're just trying to clear cap space off their books to just clear cap space off their books. But, like, good try for the Lakers. You just won a title. Why not shoot your shot? Sure. I mean, look, $5 million for the Lakers, I mean, it doesn't make a, a big difference. But, you know, if, if you pull other moves, here's, here's where it would make some sense for the Lakers. If they have some sort of move, they can offer one of these players who opts in uh, if it's a KCP and Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, you, you can say, instead of opting in, do you have a team that you would want to go to? Maybe, maybe you do something like a sign and trade. Maybe there's a sign and trade opportunity with one of these other guys. And, and it's, when I say sign and trade, it's like a make salaries match as part of a deal type of thing. I don't even know what that would be, but let's pretend that that's something that is possible the reason why Luol Deng's $5 million matters is you're hard capped once you execute a sign and trade. Yep. And if, the, if you're giving Anthony Davis his, he, if he opts out and you're giving him his extension, and if you want to pay some of these other guys, you want to bring other people in and you want to make a trade to bring people in that hard cap, there's no exception to that. So by getting rid of Luol Deng's 5 million, you just bring your salary down that much so you, you give yourself that wiggle room that maybe you could bring in that little extra salary in a, in a situation where you're hard capped. Or maybe you decide, instead of using your $5.7 million taxpayer mid-level exception, you want to use your $9 million non-taxpayer mid-level, which you can use if you're a taxpayer. It's a misnomer. But that also hard caps you. And so these situations where the Lakers get hard capped is where... $5 million of flexibility could really come in handy. Yeah, they're still not going to get approved for this. No, not at all. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but great, but great, great breakdown that's, that's of, the of, process. of the uh, great use of words and time on the importance <laughs> of if it uh, is, is somehow approved.
I'm I'm trying. No, that was good. You were like a real <laughs> NBA analyst there, knowing the stuff about the cap and all of that. When this is like, look, I know some of this too. It's just like, yeah, no, if this gets approved, NBA Twitter is going to be furious. And yeah. then the Lakers are just a very special franchise, which good for them. They won the title. Get to do what you want, right? Yeah. Congratulations to them on their 12th title. <laughs> I had to get that digit. I had to get that digit. Uh, he is on Twitter I'm gonna get, at I'm gonna get Army hate, underscore. So John. much hate for that one. So much hate. The Lakers fans, Lakers no matter fans, what we you know say, what to do, retweet oh it God, loud yeah. and, and wide. Reds here Army and... underscore John. Give it to me. <laughs> Go ahead. Send it to me. Yeah, we're, we're going to end there, and I might not get my Twitter handle as we end the show here. So, uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. As always on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. <laughs> and I'm John Corrales. I'm host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. I know, uh, at Red's Army underscore John. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back with you all next week. Just just keep laughing. It's good. They're coming for you. You know it. <laughs>